Hey, it's Melinda, and welcome to the Kavana Podcast. The Hebrew word Kavana is all about living your life with intention. Each week, I'll be featuring someone who inspires me and lives each day with purpose. My greatest hope is that by listening, you too will be inspired to wake up every morning with intention. It all begins with you. This week's episode is sponsored by Impact Fashion NYC, a modest fashion company with gorgeous dresses cut to fit real body shapes. Sizes run from two through 24, and you can go shopping right now. Actually, maybe you should go shopping after the episode at impactfashionnyc.com, or you can head on over to Instagram, impact.fashion.nyc. So I have someone very special on the podcast today, and I'm actually extra excited about it because I come from the food blogging world. And for a very long time, the only people that I knew outside of like my inner circle of friends were food bloggers. And I don't know if it's because of Instagram or because of, uh, who knows, maybe it's the JWE, the Jewish Women Entrepreneurs Group, like whatever it is, I have suddenly become connected to people outside of the food world. And for the first time on this podcast, I have someone in fashion, Rifki Itzkowitz. I know you're giggling. And I think that it's, it's so fun to learn about fashion and the different versions of what fashion means. That's not why you're on the podcast. Yeah. I think you're amazing. Um, but I want to hear Rifki, well, first of all, welcome. Thank you for having me, Melinda. And uh, I just think you're such a nice person. Like, Oh, shucks. You're such you a too. good person. And, and I really appreciate that about you. I like to surround myself with good people who are honest and nice. And I feel like that is something that you encompass. And I would love to hear from you. And I think everybody else wants to know how you got started with your business, how you came up with the name Impact Fashion, because it's so good. Oh, okay. Um, tell us everything. So, okay. So how I came up with the business, mm -hmm. I've been sewing since I was 10. Um, I'm about to turn 25. My birthday's in like two weeks. And um, so it's funny. It's weird that at 25, I can say that I've been doing something for more than half of my life, but mm. I have. Um, when I was 10 years old, my mother was going to throw out a set of sheets, um, like pillowcases and duvet covers and that kind of thing. Um, my grandmother, not my, my dad's mom, saw that she was going to throw out um, these sheets, uh, my grandmother being, you know, the Holocaust survivor and very frugal person that she is, was horrified that my mother was going to throw out these sheets, even though they were, they were gross. Okay. They were, they had holes and like, and like smelled weird and had stains. Like it was time to replace them. And my grandmother like basically grabbed those sheets out of my mom's hand and said, you can't throw them out. They're still good. There's still good fabric here. I'm going to teach Rifki how to make clothes. We'll make for her American Girl doll with these clothes. Do you remember American Girl dolls? Are those my, still a thing? Oh yeah. My daughter has more than we should talk about. Yeah. Okay. And so I didn't know if those were still, and, okay. When yeah. I was little, I think they were like, I don't know if they were first becoming a thing or if I was just at that time first becoming aware of them. Yeah. As a How thing. You're 20, you're turning 25. I'm like 25. Yeah. Okay. So just to reference that I'm 36 and my best, I never had any, my best friend had them all. Okay. And I'm 36. So just, they've right. been around a really long time. Okay. So I was at that age, like around <laughs> 10 when it's American girl dolls are very important yes. at that age. Right. Um, so me and my grandmother over the course of like that winter, basic, we just made tons and tons of clothes for my doll. Um, and she showed me how to sew and she showed me how to like put stuff together. And those were my first lessons. 
And then I've always been a really creative kid, like always just making stuff with my hands. And like, I love painting. I love crafting. I like all of those things. Um, and I always just kept coming back to sewing. It was always like, I would, I would leave it for a little bit. I went through a super intense cake decorating phase. I went through a super intense knitting phase, never got into crocheting. I think I wasn't like patient enough for that. Um, painting I did I did um needle points I did counted cross stitch like I, I went I kept like jumping out of sewing to go do these other things and then I was always coming back to sewing and by the time I was in high school I was like firmly rooted in like this is my thing this is what I do um and the business started kind of organically um I um in my community it's pretty standard after high school to spend a year in Israel I actually really didn't want to go I kind of thought that it was a waste of time. I was like, I'm just going to go to college. Like, I'm going to get my life started. Um, I don't remember what finally convinced me that I should go. Um, I think it was more just like a lot of other people were doing it. And it was like really important to my parents that I go. And they were willing to pay for it. So it was like, why not? Like, we'll yeah. just have this fun year and, and do it. Um, and when I was there through a whole other crazy story that could take me another hour to tell, I ended up getting connected with um, someone named Hannah Studley, who is a wedding gown designer. And she um, basically runs a wedding gown rental out of her tiny little apartment in Nahlaot, wow. um, like in Jerusalem. And I started working with her and I started doing her overflows. So remember, like I didn't really want to be in Israel. So I was so completely uninterested in the studies of it. Like I, and also it's, I wasn't there for college. I wasn't there as high school. Like the people were like, oh, you're going to fail the class. And I was like, yeah. And then what? Like, who cares? <laughs> like it didn't, it didn't matter if you failed or if right. you did, or if you did well. So I basically made this conscious decision of like, I'm going to just do the things that I want to do. And, and the things that I wanted to do, like, it wasn't like I was running around getting high. I was just Is that sewing a thing? and beating down. I'll admit I didn't go to Israel for the year for the reasons that you said actually. And um, many of the reasons that you said, but is that a thing that happens a lot? In oh, yeah, for sure. Their, okay. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, listen, there are some, when you give anyone freedom. Yeah. There's like 18 years old. Right. Exactly. Right. You're giving an 18 year old free reign of a country that has very lax attitudes towards things like alcohol mm -hmm. and like, and drugs and all right. that kind of stuff. So yeah, for sure. And also a lot of times you're talking about people or like girls who have been in super sheltered environments who may... Like if you've never been allowed to talk to a boy before and you've listened to that because you were like at home living at home or whatever, and then all of a sudden you're in this country where there are tons of yeshiva guys running around, yeah, like you might decide that like you're going to get yourself a boyfriend and right. that might not be the best guy for you or whatever. Like that was just so not my scene. I was mm -hmm. always just so ridiculously uninterested. I don't know. I don't know if I'm just like a homebody that way or just like just not interested. Just so responsible. I guess so, but also it's like, listen, I do stupid stuff all the time. I've gone skydiving. Like that to me. That's cool. Yeah. A friend talked me into it. We had the best time. Oh it was goodness. amazing. Um, but like those, I don't know, like it just didn't like, I don't know, like drugs and alcohol and guys are just like boys. It just never appealed to me to you be You just wanted to sew. Rebellious. Exactly. I really just wanted to sew. <laughs> so that's what I did. Um, so I would be in the back of classrooms where like everyone is like super intense studying like in, in a humash or something like that. And I would literally have a wedding gown laid out across three desks with like the giant poof skirt and I'm beating the hem or something. That's amazing. I'm um, picturing that right now. Please oh, tell me awesome. there's a picture of that somewhere. I don't think there is, uh, um, but I'll see if I can find one. That is so cool. Oh my yeah. God. And, I, and I only have one who knows you. If anyone yeah. out there listening knows Rifti from, from Israel, 
has a picture of anything like we just discussed, please send it in. Yes, please do actually. I don't have any photos of it. There's one person who might, I could see if I could find it, Um, but I'll have to check. But yeah, and I actually only ever had one teacher come up to me and be like, what the heck are you doing? (laughs) And I was like, what do you mean? I'm just, I'm sewing this gown. Um, And and she had no authority. Like she couldn't be like, I'm going to fail your class. And I was like, okay, fail me. Like, I don't care. so then I got back from my, I get back from my year um, and, and I immediately go to college. I go to Queens College. I had a full scholarship there, um, which was like the worst thing that ever happened to me, which I know sounds like really pathetic and like super entitled to say. Um, I was part of this program called the Macaulay Program. Um, it's, a, it's a full scholarship in the CUNY system. Um, CUNY is C-U-N-Y, it's the City University of, of New York. So like mm-hmm. Queens College, Brooklyn College, Baruch Hunter, it's a whole system of public colleges that are not super expensive. And then I, when I was in 12th grade, I was like, oh, I should apply for this scholarship and then I get it. Um, the thing is that the scholarship is a four-year program. And my major was only 30. <coughs> yeah, I'm cough sorry. it out, girl. We are, the two of us are <coughs> so special today. Yeah, we're no, doing we're, it anyways, because yes. coughing or not, we are here on this podcast. Exactly. Sorry about that. Um, I'm good. Um, My major was only 36 credits. Mm -hmm. So it was this kind of thing where I was taking what was really like a year and a half and stretching it out into four years. And that was really, that was really maddening. I ended up leaving after three and a half years. Um, I basically just went to the head of the program and was like, hi, I'm done. Like I can graduate as part of your program or I can graduate as not part of your program. I'm not staying another semester to just like just to get your diploma that didn't again it didn't like that those kind of accolades just don't really matter to me um the what ended up happening was that when I came back I was in college and I started doing alterations on the side um I already had like a studio space basically just like a sewing machine and a table set up in my parents house just because that was where I had always been like working that was you know it's like when you have something that you love and then I my sewing machine was just out um and then my mom's friends needed stuff fixed and then their friends needed stuff fixed and then I kept growing and growing and I like within a couple months I had a legitimate business happening literally like my parents house was Grand Central Station there was just people (laughs) coming in and out then it got to a point where it was not people that we knew um or not people that they knew so then I had to my dad also works from home so I had to like warn him like by the way there are people coming at these in these times like like I don't know if you want to be around or don't want to be around but there will be strangers in your house um I did that for about a year and a half or so and that kept growing and growing and was doing really well I was also doing custom gowns at the time so I was most of my business then was alterations but then I was also designing and sewing myself custom gowns um for people I'm a couture trained dressmaker seamstress and pattern maker so I can sit down from sketch to dress and get you there Um, it's just really time consuming to do. So I had one summer, it was the summer of 2016, where in the space of, I think it was eight weeks, I did six gowns, which is not a humanly possible thing to do. Um, I wasn't, I really wasn't like sleeping right. I was like staying up until three o'clock in the morning and then waking up again at like 7am to Mm -hmm. start all over again. I didn't, there's a fire truck. Um, (laughs) Oh, well. Everybody get under the table. Get under the yeah, table. Seriously. Um, <laughs> welcome to Queens people. It's noisy. Right? Um, so yeah, I was, I was, it was just not a sustainable thing, but I got through that summer. And then at the end of that summer, um, I was like, I had, I, I sat down and I was like, okay, this is obviously not sustainable long-term. I was single at the time. So I didn't 
like I was, I was in a position where I could just work for 25 hours if I wanted to. Um, but also I was physically falling apart. Oh my gosh, um, yeah. yeah. Like at that point I was in physical therapy because my back had been blown out just from like, literally just from hunching over a sewing machine all day. Um, and I, and I sat down and I was like, okay, how does this make sense? Most of the gowns that I were doing were for people who were making weddings. Um, and I had this thought process that was when you're at a wedding, right? There's going to be maybe like 10 people in gowns, right? Like depending on like the bride, her mom, the sisters, like groom's mom, sisters, you're talking about like 10, 10 tops, like maybe 15 people, depending on how big the families are. When you're at that same wedding, I don't know about your wedding, Mel, but there were 500 people at my wedding. Oh my God. Yeah. It was a big party. Oh, 250 of, of those people were women. Sure. Right. Wearing party dresses. Mm -hmm. So my thought was, do I want to be dressing 10 people at a party or do I want to be dressing 250 people Brilliant. at the party? Um, and then I was like, well, the answer, that's a stupid question. Obviously you want to be dressing 250 people. And obviously I can't be sewing these dresses by myself. At that point I had an internship under my belt. Um, and I had a, I had a very vague understanding of how manufacturing worked. I have, I since know a lot more. This was yeah. two years ago. Um, and then I start, I started like the process of getting that, of like getting that in motion and putting things um, and, and just, and making a wholesale company. I started Impact Fashion as purely a wholesale company. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, wow. Just because to me, it seemed, well, for two reasons. At that point I had been dealing, I had a couple of difficult clients over that summer and I was a little bit sick of dealing with people. And I was like, oh, if I'm dealing with like stores, they'll be like, like I won't be dealing with the end customer and it'll be just easier. Mm -hmm. um, forgetting that stores are run by people and people sometimes are just generally <laughs> difficult, by the way. Most of my stores are lovely, yeah. um, really lovely people, but you're deal when you're dealing with humans, it's going to be difficult. Like, yeah. People suck sometimes, <laughs> they just do. Um, so there was that aspect of it. And also to me, it seemed really accessible. I knew that like, as a young Jewish woman approaching other stores that are mostly run by other Jewish women, I could, it's not like Macy's, right? Like I couldn't get myself into like Macy's or Nordstrom or Bloomingdale's or whatever, but I could call up a boutique and say, hi, my name is Ripke. I have dresses. Can we meet? Mm -hmm. And eight times out of 10, they would say yes. And oh, that's wow. what I did. Okay. Yeah. So you weren't getting a lot of no's. Oh, so no, I was, I was getting about the nose. I was getting plenty of no's, oh, okay. but I was making enough phone calls that I also got plenty of yeses. Ah, uh, so that's something to really think about is when you really want something, just thinking like these things always come into my brain. Like the more people you ask, the more you put yourself out there, you're going to get a lot of no's, but you're going to get more yeses if you're talking to more people. Right. Gotta yeah. be okay with those no's. Right. Yeah. It's funny because people ask me about rejection a lot because yeah. in wholesale, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like just calling people and being like, hi, I have this collection. Do you want to see it? Um, and for me, for me, it's really, there are a lot of, I've since realized, like at the time when I was starting, it was really, really difficult, especially because like that first collection was good. It wasn't amazing. You know, mm -hmm. I, th there were so many other things happening that people were saying no, because the product wasn't great. Right. Now I'm on my, I'm selling now my seventh collection. Mm -hmm. It's a damn good collection. Like it's like, it's a really good product. It's a really good cut. I have really beautiful pieces. I know that. And people are still saying no. And they're saying no for reasons that I have no control over. It may be that like my pieces are all a little bit dressier. So they're like your weekend party dresses. And 
people might say no because they've decided that their store is going to go more casual. Mm -hmm. They might say no because the price point is not for their customer. They Mm -hmm. might say no because they're in a bad mood that day. Like there are a million reasons why someone could say no. And only one of them is I don't like the product and therefore I don't like you. Um, So that's definitely taken a little bit of like, I guess, maturing to get through. Um, But yeah, it's, I also just have a really thick skin and I'm also like, and that's just, it's just something that I have. Like I'm just, you've always had that thick skin. Yeah. I think it had to do, I think it had to do a lot with the fact that I was bullied in elementary school. So I Mm -hmm. very quickly learned to disregard other people's opinions because they were just wrong. People were making fun of me for being like the smartest in the class and they were calling me dumb. And I was like, well, both of these things can't be true. (laughs) So Someone here is wrong, and I think it's you. And I think that that's just a personality thing that I have. Um, and I also just think that there's a, like, someone can be rude to you, or they usually, and you you deal with, like, people being nasty on social media or whatever, occasionally, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, um, I think everybody deals with that, too. Yeah, exactly. And it, yeah. And it has nothing to do with you. It has mm-hmm. everything to do with the other person. Like when someone sends me a nasty message, I've one time someone was like, you look, you don't look so good in your last picture. You should take it down. And I, and like, and my response to that is I'm really sorry. You're having an awful day and feel the need to take it out to strangers on the internet. Like that to me is really like, that's, that has nothing to do with how I look. Mind you, it's a photo that like I've posted 17 times and the past 16 of them, this person has commented that I look great. Hmm. So like, obviously, she's just having a shitty day and needs... Can I say that? Sorry. I mean, you can say whatever you want. You could do whatever okay. you want, of course. Yeah. In in real life, I cuss like a sailor. <laughs> Surprise! Um, so, yeah. Um, like, and that's just the way that... And, and like, that to me has nothing to do with me. So, like, I have... There are very few opinions that I care about. It's, like, my close friends, my close family members. I have people in my life who, when I am doing something awful, they will tell me. And they will do that honestly and with um like with caring and they'll mean it also um and those are opinions that I take seriously other random people who I've met for five seconds who decide that my collection is ugly fine (laughs) that's your opinion keep it on that side of the room and I'm just going to be over here continuing to do what I do yeah yeah oh you asked about the this. I want people to hear this too because you are someone who naturally I mean not naturally because you said you your thick skin grew from when you were younger but I think it's important for people to know that if right now you're 37 years old or you're 42 or you're 60 or you're 15, whatever age you are, you can learn this skill. It doesn't have oh, to yeah. be a natural thing. You can hear what Rifki's saying and know that that it isn't about you. That other people, when they're upset, when they say things about you, if they gossip, if they're saying it to your face, it's not about you. Yeah, 100%. it's not about you. And that's yeah. something just as hard as it is to hear and as hard as it is to remember when you're upset or insulted, yeah. that it's just not about you. It's like a right. mantra. Just say it over yeah. and over in your yeah. head. No, Put it on sure. a bracelet, whatever you got to do, but it's not about you. And it's something that can be learned. Right. And I think what's also important is that I think that it's, it's okay to allow yourself to feel upset. Like mm-hmm. I have walked out of meetings with stores, gone into my car and just had a good cry. And that's fine. Like you can allow yourself to have that, to, to just really feel that disappointment. Give yourself a couple hours, eat some ice cream and then, and then start processing it. Like then start like going through the, um, you know, that's when you can start thinking about this. Like, don't, don't, 
not allow yourself to feel the disappointment because it is disappointing. It's really disappointing. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I kind of approach all of this. Um, and the other thing is that it, to me, it also works the other way around. Like there are some people now in my life that I'm very upset at and they don't know that I'm super upset at them uh, because I haven't told them. And the fact that I'm really upset at them right now does not affect their life in any way, shape or form, because I don't control how other people feel. By the way, no one else controls, no one controls how you make yourself feel. So if you're like scrolling through social media and it's making you feel inferior, you don't, you can't blame the person who you're looking at. Like that's something that's, you have control over that feeling in yourself. So it works both ways. Like it works in all of those ways, which is by the way, why you should be filtering what you expose yourself to. I think it's perfectly fine to mute people. I'm a big fan of the mute button. Um, Oh yeah. Like I don't like to unfollow because sometimes I'll unfollow people and then I need to work with them professionally and then I need to refollow them. And it's a little bit awkward because they see that (laughs) I haven't been following them until now, but mute them. They don't get a notification at all. And it's, it's just very, it's just like, it's a form of self-care, honestly, Mm -hmm. like just mitigating what you're exposed to that makes you feel not great. Just do the things that make you feel good. And if that means muting a couple of people, then mute them. They won't care. They won't even know. You know, Mel Robbins has this thing she does called unfollow Friday. Oh, so so for you, it's like mute Friday. It's like, (laughs) find someone who, if somebody isn't making you feel good and it's not them, it's you and that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to mute people or unfollow. And like, I'm, yeah. I'm an unfollow kind of girl. So that's more my thing, but I can also understand with business where you got to be responsible too. But right. if you're just on Instagram and you're scrolling or you're on Facebook, yes, people are still on Facebook. <laughs> they <laughs> are. I still do love Facebook and I, my business grows through Facebook. So I love it, but you can actually I really should be more following. active on Facebook. It's really like, there are a lot of people who still exist there and it's not just not just old people guys it's not old people <laughs> like, like me I mean I'm not old. Well, I was actually never on Facebook like never like as a teenager or whatever wow. I just I just I don't know I just missed the boat I really truly just missed the boat I think that it's also because I'm like just past the age where everyone had a smartphone like the like kids having smartphones in like high school only became a thing when I was in like 12th grade and I was already a senior so I kind of missed the boat on all so your of version of, so like, it's funny because you're saying you got a smartphone in your senior year of high school. I had a- No, I didn't. Nokia. Other kids in my class did. Oh, okay, fine. I yeah. had like a Nokia flip phone, not even a flip phone. It was like a slide phone when I was in high school and only for emergencies when I was driving. Like they weren't- yes, slide used. phones. Those were the best. Yeah. Those keyboards were amazing, by when the way. When we played Snake, Snake was yes. the best. But it's just funny how you said that. Like they're every generation and we're, it's- now we're far apart enough in age <laughs> that I can say that. And it's fun to hear everybody's version of that. Like right. I didn't have, you know, instant messenger was the thing, you know. Right. Oh, had that instant thing. messenger. Yeah. Oh, so back the 90s. Day. So, okay. I have a question for you. So, okay. well, okay. There's 500 questions for you. Let's just be honest. But okay. when, when you started, um, I guess when you decided you were going to switch into wholesale and go in that direction. Did you have a mentor or someone you reached out to for help? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. So I was still in touch with Hannah Studley, right. who I had worked with in Israel. Um, so I kind of just sent her an email that was like, I'm doing this thing. And she was like, reach out if you need anything. Um, I didn't have a direct mentor. I'm super close with my mom and my grandmother. And both of them are real businesswomen. Like they oh have been in like managing 
buildings and like in a whole bunch of different areas. Um, so I did have that and like, and I'm the kind of person that like, I will, I need to talk everything out. So I would be like, okay, mom, I need to just verbally vomit at you. And then just say everything that was going on in my brain. And then we could kind of sort through it. Um, so a specific direct mentor, not really. Um, I, I think it could have helped at the time. Um, what I did do was that I did reach out to a couple of people who had wholesale lines nice. and I was like, hi, can I pick your brain for an hour? Um, and there were a couple of people who let me do that. And that was super use, um, like useful, mm -hmm. but also I think that I gained a lot just from figuring it out on my own, like just from going to factories and sounding like an idiot and then taking it from there. Right on. That, that I think also helped me a lot. I think that's really smart. I'm always curious how people build a business because some people, they really take on a mentor, mentoree role, I guess, where they yeah. find someone and follow them. And I love what you said about reaching out to people and asking for help. Like if somebody out there is already doing what you want to do and PS, if they're really successful, they're going to want to help you because I find right. that the people who are really loving what they're doing and, and are successful, they want other people to be as successful as them. Right. And they want and other people. There's no, there's no competition in a way that everybody is doing something different, even if you're in the right. same And it's people. also the people who who are super successful are really secure in their standing. Totally. Like the people who are super successful are confident. They're like, I have my company. I'm doing well. There's room for more. Come on, like, come on and talk to and talk yes. to me. I also personally am a big believer in that if the industry is doing well, everyone in the industry is doing well. Mm -hmm. So um, there's this phrase, uh, I'm going to butcher it now. Oh, it's a rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah. So like if, if, modest fashion is doing well. I am a part of modest fashion and I will therefore do well. And in order for modest fashion as an industry to do well, we all need to do well. So call me. And I've had tons of conversations with people who are looking to start companies and things like that. And I'm more than happy to share, you know, things that I can, things that I can help people with. I don't share my manufacturing context because my manufacturing is very specific to my product. And I think that people need to find the manufacturing that works for themselves and their product. And I don't think that me giving you my manufacturing contact will help you. Oh, um, interesting. I, I really don't. Um, cause, and I know that because I started with other people's manufacturing contacts. Um, and it just wasn't the right fit because it was, it was the wrong vibe. Mm -hmm. um, and the way that you find manufacturing is you Google it. It's oh, a very advanced cool. system. And by the way, <laughs> that right there is advice to give someone. It's not always yeah. about, it's the feed a fish versus teach someone how to yeah, fish, right? Exactly. So, I see, that's, that's exactly what it is. Sometimes it's as simple as telling somebody to Google. And I will yeah. say from the food blogger perspective that I get a lot of requests and all of us do, because I'll tell you a lot of us food bloggers, we're all very close friends and, and we love to chit chat and talk about requests and questions that we get. And we get a lot of questions that are just very easily questions that can be Googled. So yeah. sometimes we'll answer if it's like spur of the moment, but sometimes my response to someone is to Google. And I won't just okay. say Google it because I think that's actually really rude, but I right. won't make it into a complete sentence and <laughs> explain to someone the benefit of Googling and tell them that that's what I do too. If right. I'm unsure of how baking soda is going to work in that recipe, I'm going to Google it. Right. Baking no, soda like, substitutions. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So, and I know I, that sometimes we are Google, like, right. I'm sure people reach out to you with questions course. and we are Google, but sometimes it's okay to respond to someone and say that Google is the answer. Right. And I think that also, if you're the person asking, like if I manage to get an hour with someone who I've been wanting to talk to, or even if I manage to get an answer on a DM with someone that I've been wanting to talk to, 
use that. That's a, oh that's God. a limited resource. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if I get an hour with like a big fashion designer, don't ask them questions that you can easily look up yourself. Like do the research beforehand, prep beforehand, so that when you have that hour, half an hour, whatever answer to a message, whatever it is, when you have their attention, you're getting something that you can only get from them at that time. Like really make use of that resource. And bring in pen and paper, like take yes. notes. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Just take full yeah. advantage of that time you have with them because they're giving it to you. Right. Exactly. And, yeah. and you want to get something from that time that you can only get from that time. Yeah. Um, and that's really, that I just think is just a just like life pro tip, everybody. Amen. Don't don't ask people things that you can easily Google. It's also just annoying. <laughs> really annoying. That too. Okay, that happens too. Yeah. So speaking of rising tides and, and all ships, and I always say we, we grow better when we grow, we grow better when we grow together. Love it. And that. you know, you and I both have podcasts. Mm-hmm. I get so excited by every new person who's starting a podcast. And I when I was thinking of starting one, I had the exact same thought in my mind. Well, other people are doing it. Right. And with every new Jewish woman who is starting a podcast, we are helping each other grow. Yeah. We're all getting more listeners. We podcasts are. are something. I love podcasts. I yeah. love podcasts. I probably listen, no exaggeration, to about five hours of podcasts a day. Wow. I work, yeah. I work in a room by myself. So, yeah. I have, so I have them playing in the background. There are so many ones that I love this one included, by the way. Um, and I also think that it's something that like Jewish women don't really listen to so much. Like it's when I tell We're people into it, it's like, right, a, exactly. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a, it's a new thing that's yeah. starting up, even though podcasts have been around, I think since like the iPod in 2007 or something <laughs> like that. So yeah. Um, that was when I, like as more and more people do it, there are more and more people who just become aware that these are a thing and you can listen to them. And there are so many people who are doing so many just great shows. Amazing. Are, yeah. Just like so many great shows that are really fun to listen to. Mm-hmm. And, and there's and room, just, like there's, when people are listening and when I was, I was listening, I've been, I like to listen to them in the morning. It's part of like my morning routine while I'm having mm-hmm. breakfast and I listen to podcasts and also, if I'm in the car for, if I know I'm driving to Jersey or Connecticut, somewhere that's right. over an hour, I, it take, it feels like nothing yeah, because I'm like, exactly. like, how long did it take you? I'm like, I don't know, two podcasts. Like, right, exactly. I listen to them yeah. and I love to listen. I've learned so much. I listen to all different types and I was hearing, you know, my friends were starting to talk about podcasts and coming out with them. And I was back and forth. Do I start one? Do I not? Well, she has one, she has one. And then it was like, wait, what I have to share is different than what right. you have to share. And now I get requests from people who are like, hey, I want to start a podcast. And my sister, by the way, my sister started one before me and she was using this app, the app that I use called Anchor. And and she kept talking about it on her podcast. And I'm like, what the heck am I doing? Trying to wait for the perfect time. And you and I had talked about this, about waiting for the perfect time. And and, and here she is handing me this free app and going, Mel, it's so easy, like crazy easy to use. So, and this isn't even sponsored. (laughs) I could just talk about Anchor till the end of time. And so I did it. I just downloaded it. I went into my closet and I started. I was like, what am I waiting for? There's room for me. And now right. all the, exactly. and I want like, it, this is a cry out and I want to talk about your podcast, but this is a cry out to anyone listening who's thinking of starting one. Just start it. Yeah. Literally. Here's how you, here's how you start a podcast. Everyone. Um, you take a laptop. 98% of all laptops have a mic built in. I'm recording this on my laptop without any extra mic. You take a laptop, you go into a quiet room and you talk to it. That's it. 
Yeah. Literally, that's all you need to do. Yeah. You could talk to other people. You can, and you could talk about whatever you want and somebody out there will listen. It's so true. And it's so funny because with, with my show, with Be Impactful, um, Be Impactful was actually a hashtag that I started using all the way at the beginning of Impact Fashion because I read somewhere that it was a good idea to have a branded hashtag and I just liked the way it sounded. So I just started putting it on all my posts and then people started associating it with me because it was just always there. And it didn't really have any deeper meaning to it. I just liked that it had the word impact in it. Um, and then when I, I decided that I wanted to start this podcast because I, A, I love starting podcasts and I loved, I had guessed it on a couple and I love doing these. Like for me, this is like, I'm on my couch. I've got some tea, a box of tissues because I have a cold <laughs> and like I'm under a blanket and we're just chatting. And this is my it's definition so of the fun. perfect morning. It's the that. best. So I wanted to do more of that. And also I was noticing that like on my end, when I'm packing orders, I'm sending dresses everywhere. Like I was sending dresses to Flatbush, Brooklyn and to like Norfolk, Virginia, like Mm -hmm. literally like all these different types of people who the one thing that we had in common was that we were more inclined to dress modestly for whatever reason. Um, For most of my customers at this point, I think it's still a religious thing. Um, For a lot of my customers, it's a professionalism thing. Um, For some of my customers, it's just a comfort thing. Like I don't want to have my boobs hanging out, which is fine. That's your own personal choice that doesn't, that can be the reason. Um, And I, what I was noticing was that like in my, like on the, the side of it that only I could see, like the addresses where the orders were going or the DMs that I was getting, there was so much diversity and so many just great people from all different backgrounds doing all sorts of different things. And I wanted a way to share that aspect of it. It was like impact fashion has affected, you would think that it would only affect like Jewish women who look just like me, um, but it doesn't. It affects all types of people. And I wanted a way for everyone to get to know that. And you were actually one of my first interviews, which was really, really fun to do. I loved Um, it. Because I think that what's really great is that like, even now, as most of my guests right now are Jewish women, just because I've been utilizing my network. But even within that, there's so much range. Like there's so, listen, I interviewed you and I interviewed Razy Freed and you guys don't exist in the same world. And I love that, that we both had such great, meaningful conversations. So, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was, that that to me was really fun uh, to do. So yeah, Be Impactful is like my little pet project. Yeah, and I'm gonna share, I'll, of course I'll share the link to that when I share this this podcast and I'll share the link to hours that we did together. I also yes. was like chilling on my bed and we were just, yes. it's like therapy. It doesn't so, it feel like you just yes. talk. Yes, exactly. I, it's like, when was the last time, the, the funnest thing that I ever did like as a yeah. teenager and also now was spend an hour and a half on the phone with my friends. And this is exactly what that feels like. (laughs) I love it. And I love, I especially like, there's two parts to it because I love getting people out of their comfort zone. So I have certain people that I have interviewed. Obviously this is not out of your comfort zone at all, but it is fun to talk to some people and they're so nervous about the whole thing. Will people like it? And I'm like, just talk. I don't do a lot of prep. Like if anybody is listening and it's like, oh, I'm going to be on this podcast one day. Like, and you will, because by the way, when people reach out, I'm in. And I just love to highlight Jewish women and people who are living with intention. And I think it's such a special thing. And it's not just about business, but I think that there's a lot that we can learn from each other in that way. But I especially get such a thrill out of interviewing people yeah. who are super nervous because yeah, they're it's out of their comfort zone. And it's like, there's, I don't know what it is. It's, it, it just makes me smile. It makes me yeah. happy because they're doing something that they're not comfortable with. What I always find really interesting, and I haven't done that many interviews yet. I have about, I think like 10 episodes or so that are like that are not all released, but that have been recorded. Amazing. And 
every like even the people who you think are like the most articulate and the most like put together they still get nervous and that's also like one of my favorite things about this is that like on a certain level we're, we're all improvising mm-hmm. like we're all like there are I'm I guarantee you and I know this because people have told me there are people who look at me and are like Rifki has it together like she knows what's happening she knows how to do things she knows how to put things together and it's like yes I do have a lot of knowledge um but I'm also improvising. Like I'm also just making it up as I go along and doing the best that I can to do my best and all of that. And that is a totally different, that's something that you, that you only get to see when you start like really talking to people who, um, who are like, like you said, a little bit nervous, a little bit uncomfortable. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very different side of people. It's fun to see. I mean, honestly, when I start each podcast before, there's always like a hesitation of how am I going to start this? Because I don't like mm-hmm. to edit. I just like to go. And I always have that moment and I'm getting better with it, but where I'm like, okay, Mel, what are you going to say before you hit record? And then I'm like, yes. stop it. Just, just stop it. Just start. Talk. Yeah. And it's, just talk. It's true that the most powerful women that I know and people that I've met still get nervous and still yeah. get worried and still make that phone call and are worried about the judgment and worried about, the, about all of that because we're human. Yeah, no, for sure. I was actually very nervous. I did an an episode of the Woman of Valor Valor podcast with Barry, um, which is amazing. And you should all go listen to it. Um, Not my episode, the whole thing, but feel free to listen (laughs) to my episode if you want. Um, uh, And I was talking pretty in depth about my experiences with bullying in elementary school. And I was so nervous, like not not doing the actual interview like the actual me and barrier friends the actual interview was a little bit intense but like it was fine like that didn't get telling the story didn't make me nervous um but there was about two months between when we recorded it and when it got released and in the week leading up to the release i was a nervous wreck i really was because these were it was things that i hadn't spoken about in a really long time um i mean it's been a decade since i graduated eighth grade and a lot of the people who are not mentioned by name, but are like referred to and who I was like 98% sure would know who they are. Um, I hadn't spoken to them since then. Um, I hadn't, like I had really very firmly closed that chapter in my life. And then Barry and I decided that this was an important thing that should be talked about. And then at the time it sounded like a really good idea. And then before we released it, it sounded like a really bad idea. Um, and I mean, you can ask Barry the conversations that we had leading up. And I was like, I really just don't want to talk to anyone from that time. Like, I don't yeah. want anyone who I haven't spoken to since elementary school reaching out and saying, I'm so sorry about this. Like, that's your baggage to deal with now. I've dealt with it. I'm over it. You need to, like, I can't help you get through, like, the regret that you're feeling now as an adult. And a couple of people did reach out. I was about to ask you if they did. Yeah, Yeah. they did. It was mad uncomfortable. (laughs) It was really uncomfortable. But I'm really happy that you did it in the way that it could help other people because when we share things and it is, and I want to say this because some people have asked me when I talk about this, um, if they feel it, if they have to, and I'm like, there's no obligation just because you have been through something does not mean you have to share. You are not obligated to share in order for other people to feel more comfortable. Right. But if you feel, if you feel a sense of not, and maybe even security or comfort or something in knowing that other people will be helped from your sharing, right. then it's worth sharing. Right. And that's something think, so important. Yeah. I think that also, um, for me with that specific thing, I think that that's like, I, de- I dealt with bullying on a very extreme level. Um, and 
one of the things that I actually said to Mary before we started recording it, I was like, I'm not interested in telling a sensationalized story. Like mm. the point of this is not for people to feel bad for me. Yeah. Trust me guys, I'm fine. I really <laughs> am. Um, like I've dealt with all this, I'm good. Um, and I think that when you share these kinds of things, it's important to have a goal in mind. And for me in that interview, the goal was let's, like, let's give people who are going through this now, either as children, like as, as the kid or as the mother of, um, let's give them like a little bit of a roadmap. Like, a, like I'm a relatively well-adjusted functioning human being and, and like, I'm fine. So like, here's how your kid can be fine too. Yeah, um, yeah, and the truth yeah. is that sewing was a big part of why I was fine because I had mm. this thing that I was really freaking good at. Um, and I was just doing that thing that I was always really freaking good at. And that's something that I give my mom a lot of credit for that. Like it was, I always had like the art classes and the sewing classes and all the supplies and all the everything. And that was a huge, um, that was a huge part of it. And yeah, I happened to have built a business from it, but that wasn't the point. Mm -hmm. Like that wasn't why she did it or why like those things came together. Yeah. Find something you love, even if it's just a hobby, like sometimes you got to work and you got to go do something that isn't your favorite thing to do because you got to provide, but have something, whether you're a child or an adult, find something that you love and, and nurture it. Yeah. And as a parent, it's so, it's such good advice because sometimes we want our kids to be good at things. They're not necessarily, we focus on the wrong things versus focusing on what they really love to do because it's what they love to do. Like give them that space. It's so hard as a parent to do that, isn't it? Like you. I, I presume so. I don't have kids. So I can't say (laughs) specifically, um, I can't say specifically, but yeah, that sounds rough. Yeah. And it totally sounds like the kind of thing that I would do also to be like, don't you want to paint and do all the things? And they'd be like, no, I just want to play soccer. Be like, yeah, by the way, that's going to be a fun challenge for you because you have that, you have that thing you're so intensely passionate about and your kids may end up wanting to be the exact opposite of you. Yeah, I know. Maybe they'll be athletic. Who knows? Maybe they'll know how to cook. That would be so useful for them. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, some people who can cook, so we can work with that. This is true. Can you teach my kids to cook, Mel? My future kids. Okay. I'm in. Okay. So Rifki, I want you to tell everybody um, where they can find you, where they can shop and buy all your beautiful clothes. And I know we talked about a dress last night that you were wearing that I'm like obsessed with. I will be shortening the sleeves, guys. Don't you worry. But um, And that we talked about too. I'm like, is it okay if I shorten the sleeves on this? Because I'm not super modest. The dress is beautiful and I don't necessarily need everything to be like hello but I do like a short sleeve so uh, we're gonna go that dress is will be on my body um so actually by the time this comes out I think that dress will already be for sale so maybe very possibly the dress is uh the dress is going online after Hanukkah um oh okay then we'll see okay we'll figure that out and we'll figure that out don't worry guys you know behind the scenes time in the calendar it is um Yes. So the dress going online after Hanukkah, that dress is called the Emma dress. It's this draped velvet corded dress. It's awesome. And I'm actually really glad that you mentioned that like, you're not so modest and you would still love to wear it because the way that I approach design and the way that I approach fashion is it's fashion that happens to be covered, Mm -hmm. not you need to be covered. Let's see how we can decorate this. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I am, I'm someone who keeps up with trends and I love to see what's going on in the wider fashion world. So yeah, it's something that can be appealing to everyone, whether or not you dress the way I do because that's how you choose to dress or you want to wear a dress just because you think it's freaking cool. Um, Okay. So where can we find you? Okay. So you can find me in a couple of places on Instagram. I am at impact.fashion.nyc. You'll get a lot of behind the scenes there on my stories, like day-to-day fun, cool stuff. Um, and you can also find me on Facebook, but truth is the party's on Instagram. Sorry, Mel. <laughs> um, 
Uh, and if you want to see my designs, if you want to see what I do and learn more about me, you can do that at impactfashionnyc.com. Um, and uh, you're already listening to this on a podcast app, so you can search for Be Impactful, um, and you can find my interview with Mel and a whole bunch of other lovely ladies. Um, and that show is just about the women making a difference in their own corners of the world. So it's just some really great interviews with lots of different people. And yeah, if you want to reach out to me, you can send me a DM, you can send me an email. Basically, if you hit contact anywhere where my name, like where Impact Fashion is, you'll be getting straight to me. So yeah, and I can't wait to hear from you guys. Yeah, okay, one last question for you, uh, since Mm -hmm. you are big on social media. If today were your last day on Instagram, let's pretend you're not on Facebook because you're really not, okay? I'm really not. (laughs) Last day on Instagram, what would be the message that you would like to send out as your last message there? See, I knew you were going to ask this question. Mm -hmm. And I gave it a little bit of thought. Now I can't remember what I thought. <laughs> um, so for me in general, I think the thing that's most important for everyone to remember is that, like what I said before, we're really all just improvising. Like anyone who you see that is making you feel insecure about where you are or what you're doing, they're probably feeling the same way about someone else, if not about you. Um, And I think that it's really important. The message that I would want to put out and that I hope that I do put out on a pretty consistent basis is like, keep your head down and stay in your lane. Like you like set your own goals that are based on what it is that you want to do, where it is that you want to get to, and then just work towards that. And don't worry so much about like what everyone else is doing and where everyone else is or seems to be or is you know, what they're like, everyone else might seem to be doing something that's really glittery and sparkly and doing great. Um, Just stay in your own lane and like, and just work towards your own goals and make your own, make your own path. There is no traffic if you're in your own lane, you know, like it's just to just consistently work towards the things that you want to accomplish and not get distracted by what other people are doing. Nice. Rifki, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for for having me on your podcast. That was such an honor. And I hope that you feel better soon. I hope that you too, by the way, (laughs) I can wish it for myself too. That's fine. Right. Yeah. You too, by the way. Well, it's a good thing that colds can't get shared through um, video chat. <laughs> That's hilarious. Or through people listening out there. Cause none of you guys can get true. sick from us. Don't worry. It's true. It's true. We're <laughs> sorry. Sorry for the hacking. All right. <laughs> Thank you for having Thanks me, so Mel. This is great. Bye. Thanks for listening. And I hope today's podcast inspired you to take action. I always love to hear from you guys. What are you up to? What challenges you're facing? What are you celebrating? So head on over to Instagram and find me at the real Melinda Strauss and share what you're up to. And if you liked what you heard today and want more just like it, don't forget to subscribe to the Kavana podcast so that you get a notification every time I post a new episode.